As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash FarmEnergyAssessment. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This is Nick, Eric, and Carl on the Huddle Up podcast. Today we'll be continuing our well, our final breakdown of the Denver Broncos positional groups with the head honcho position, the quarterbacks, and we will touch on uh, all four of the guys on the roster as well as some of the top targets in the upcoming draft as well. You are listening to the Huddle Up podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Well, hello, Broncos country. It is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dumbler, and of course, you know my co-host, Nick Kendall. Today, we have a special guest for you, Eric Trickle, joining us, a man who just had his first kid and uh, is loving life, uh, especially having this kid now. And But you know this show. We are one that loves to focus on all things that focus on team building and seeing how this roster is being formed and no better time than right now where we are getting ready to see the last few weeks and the cut down from 90 guys to 53. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH. And of course, follow Nick at Nick Kindle MHH. And of course, tweet us as much as you like. We love the questions. We love the comments and we'd love to talk football with you. Then of course, this podcast, you can follow us at, at huddle up pod. And then, of course, uh, make sure to go over to milehighhuddle.com, which is a uh, part of scout.com and an affiliate of Scout Media and the CBS Sports Digital Network. We appreciate all of you listeners out there, and we know that you are Bronco crazy just like we are. So we appreciate all the listens, but make sure to uh, give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes, as well as check us out on iHeart, Stitcher, SoundCloud, CastBox, and Spreaker. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We really appreciate it when you do. And we really appreciate all of you listeners. We, we love you. And we just appreciate especially all the feedback that you give us. But make sure to subscribe and let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Now, before we get to today's podcast, I want to tell you first about Audible. Make sure to get your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com forward slash huddle up. Now, for me personally, I've said this before, and I'm doing it again. I'm going into the enemy's country again this week. I'm heading out to Kansas City, and I'll be there for a couple days, and that's about a a six-hour drive for me. So there's no better way to, to pass the time than get an Audible book, 
listen to it on the way. Get a little bit of football knowledge on your way. There are plenty of great football books out there. Uh, Nick, is there, is there a favorite one for you out there that maybe the listeners could look up? Well, as much as I hate to say it, I talked about it on the last podcast, but Bill Belichick's dad has a book that is encompasses all things building a football team, scouting, building a roster, and it is one of the better football books out there. So, I mean, besides the evil juju going on up in New England, if you want to learn <laughs> how to build a roster and how to do it the right way, that's that's probably the best resource you can get besides listening to this podcast. <laughs> that's great. All right. Well, make sure to check it out. Get your free audiobook. I'm telling you, it's free. It's just a free trial. You don't like it, shut it down. But make sure to do the forward slash huddle up to help us out. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived. We have finally made it to our, our final position group. And of course, we had to save maybe, I, I don't know if I'd call it the best for last because, well, they haven't been the best, that's for sure. But that is the quarterbacks. They have been the group that's been talked about locally, nationally. I think NFL.com had them as the number one position battle going on around the NFL. And uh, wow, it's it's we'll talk about it a lot today, but I, I don't even know if the the battle is over yet. You know, some people were saying yes, some people saying no. And I, I'm excited to hear what my my co-host here today, all both of them have to say. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's an exciting matchup. We have some some big information, you know, we, we kind of saved the quarterbacks for last just so that we'd have a little bit more, you know, you, practices are, are practices, you know, you can only get so much from them. And, and honestly, those who are reporting on it, I would question how much they really know of what they're really seeing, but uh, that's just me sometimes. <laughs> and I think you guys might agree with some of that, that they don't always know what they're, they're looking at and, and they're trying to, to sound professional, but Moving on from that, yeah, this is a, an interesting battle, and and we want to talk about all four quarterbacks on the team, just so so we kind of have an understanding not only for this year, but maybe what could be in store for next year, because I, I don't know if this quarterback discussion is completely done. I don't think it's it's decided just by who they pick this year is going to be the guy next year, and so it's going to get oh man, these next couple of weeks are going to get very interesting as Bronco fans to finally hear who they announce, who's the official guy. And, and guys, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you guys about this, especially you, Eric, you know, I know you have a lot of, a lot of people you talk to and people in the know-how and uh, just hear what you have to say about it and what you've been hearing and, and see if maybe we can iron this out together, all three of us. But before we get to the, the two main guys, we kind of wanted to start with the, the other guys and kind of build up to, to the bigger names of what's going to matter this year. And, and the opening guy, this is, this is your boy. Nick, Chad swag. Kelly. Swag, swag, swag. <laughs> you know, I, we talked about this in our, our rookie breakdown of if you got a chance to go check out his rap video, highly recommend it. it it's, it's incredible. And, and did, you, did both of you see that Derek Carr is coming out with the music video? Yes. It's hard to hate him. I mean, he's a Raider, so, you know, screw him. But, like, he just comes off as such a goofball that it's hard to really dislike him. He's got that personality that you just kind of can't hate. Yeah. Did you guys hear about the story where the uh, somebody had a flat tire somewhere around Oakland and the guy like pulled over and like helped him out and drove him out somewhere and helped him change his tire. And it's like, oh, what do you do for work? And the guy's like, oh, I'm a quarterback of the Raiders. He's like, oh, yeah, haha, really funny. Yeah, <laughs> obviously not a football fan. <laughs> Turned out to be true. Gave him like tickets. So I was like, man, God damn it, car. I hate you, but I respect you. 
Uh, yes, very, very true. But anyway, so talking about your boy, Chad Kelly, and most likely he's not going to see a snap this, this year, right? Everybody kind of agree on that? Right. If he sees a snap, it's, yeah. it's extreme circumstances. It Agreed. means things went wrong. Yeah. Badly. <laughs> uh, I know there's a lot of controversy about this pick. Some people saying that he should have gone a lot earlier. Some saying that a lot of teams called Elway complaining about him taking him with the final pick of the draft, Mr. Irrelevant. And then others saying that uh, he's not really going to be anything anyway. And it was kind of a favor to, to his uncle. Uh, what, what do you guys think of all the, the talk around Chad Kelly? Because he is like the most, I don't know, one of the most talked about seventh round picks I've ever seen in my life. And it just seems crazy because some people really believe this is the future of the Broncos. I'd like to hear what Eric has to say because I know he's not as big of a fan as I am. Chad Kelly was selected as a favor for his uncle. The plan is to never have him even play a game in the regular season with the Broncos. They have no intention of doing that. They basically just drafted him out out of a favor. They hope he can turn around and develop into something worth a backup where they can keep him around and everything, but that they, they don't intend to start him. Only way they do is if something extreme happens this year, they're going to put him on IR. They might call him back if both quarterbacks get hurt um, or they'll just call up um, the other quarterback that we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, next year, he'll actually compete to try to make the roster, but it'll only be as the third quarterback. Um, maybe a second quarterback, the quarterback too, depending on what happens with the other two guys, but they, they don't have any intention of playing him. Nick, with you being a little bit higher on him, I guess, what what do you see that makes you think he could be a potential starter then? Well, it's going to take a lot of work off the field for that to ever happen. You know, he's comes off as somewhat of an entitled jerk. Uh, we're going to keep it PG, but I mean, he's had multiple off the field issues. Um, back, back in October during his bye week he decided to attend his brother's football game and he didn't like his brother getting hit late and he came on the field. I think it was even with his ACL injury crutches in hand and uh, also kicked off of the Clemson team for uh, conduct detrimental to the team. I think he had a run in with Miss South Carolina there, which I mean, come on, he's uh, and the bar incident as well, where he got kicked out by a bouncer said he was going to bring in an AK 47 and shoot up the place. You know, there is some questions about how true that is, but still he's putting himself time and time again in bad situations. And if you're doing that off the field, you're, probably not putting in the work off the field and on the field necessary to put yourself to be the face of the franchise. I do like the tools. I mean, he is, you know, not the smallest guy. He does have a little bit of size to him. He's a six, two, about 210, 215 pounds. And he does have a nice, uh, pretty nice compact delivery. He does sometimes tend to overstride and dip his shoulder a little bit, which can lead to some batted balls, but he's got more than enough arm strength to be a quarterback. He can make the throws as necessary. Uh, he has some decent touch down the sideline, but I feel like he, you know, he's got that gun, gunslinger mentality where he can be overconfident and he throws up some footballs that in the NFL would be pick sixes. You know, he get the grace of God, they get knocked down. But sometimes he just, you know, has some batted balls at the line of scrimmage. And especially in the Alabama game, he had it like 10 times. But good quarterback, threw over uh, 60% uh, completion percentage in a, more of a spread scheme at Ole Miss, but I think, I think he has the tools to be something, but it's going to be up to him. His tape was fun to watch, especially because he does have the athleticism to get out of the pocket, and I like how he moves in the pocket as well, keeps his eyes downfield, doesn't look to be a running back, you know, like we talked about with Paxton 
Sometimes he's looking, as soon as he tucks that ball, he's looking to take off. Chad Kelly instead would manipulate the pocket, look to reset his feet and his shoulders, and then uh, reset himself as a passer, which is something that, you know, Russell Wilson's and Aaron Rodgers are my favorite two that do that pretty consistently. And you see that with Kelly as well, at least in his uh, college tape. So I'm not expecting anything from him at all this year. And I'm hoping that one of the two quarterbacks, one of our starting two will step it up. So we're not, you know, having to debate Chad Kelly potentially being the starter next year. But, you know, he's a lottery ticket because he does have the athleticism and he does have the arm and the tools that he could do something, but he has just as much possibility of being a Johnny Menzel and flaming out of the league. Did, did I hear you correctly? And did you use his completion percentage as a test testament to his accuracy? I just have the numbers in front of me. He can be, he, see, he's, he is kind of erratic uh, with his ball placement. Sometimes it's beautiful, but sometimes, like I said, he can overstride and make, you know, really leave his receivers out to dry. Yeah, this, plenty this, of times I saw his receivers get killed. <laughs> I asked because I, I pulled up my scouting report of him, and it's uh, he completed sixty three point eight percent of his passes, which is a pretty really, pretty good completion percentage. But the issue is, is that how many of those passes were actually the receivers making the excellent catch compared to him placing it in the right spot? And that, from what I saw, there wasn't many. So I, I question his accuracy a lot, and how you touched on it was actually pretty good. Was that sometimes he puts it in the perfect spot, sometimes he doesn't. And then um, I have a little bit more concerns with his arms than his arm strength than a lot of other people do, especially when he's throwing deeper downfield. I think my biggest issue that I saw, and and the main game that I really like to focus on was the one where it was Paxton on the other side, Chad Kelly playing for Ole Miss, obviously. And that, that was a fun game, actually, to kind of watch. And, of course, you know, Paxton Lynch had his biggest win in college and kind of got his name on on everybody's list and everybody watching them, everything. But I watched that one with Chad Kelly and it was about two in the morning and I'm just watching this thing. And I, I think I saw him throw five interceptable balls in the first half where they hit the defender pretty much either in the chest, in the hand, something that it should have been picked off. And the funny thing was his one interception he threw went off the hands of the receiver. And I was just laughing because I'm like, yeah, he actually kind of deserved that one. <laughs> but you know, and, and then all of a sudden, like he just starts lighting it up out of nowhere. And I think that's that was my biggest concern with him is, like I said, he's kind of got that gunslinger. I can put it anywhere. I believe more in myself than anybody else does. And and that can be great sometimes. It can play – that's hero ball, you know, where he can be hero and everybody's cheering his name. And the next game, everybody's cussing his name. You know, that's just – I think that's the kind of game that he has. And that, that always makes me nervous when I see those kind of quarterbacks. You know, I, I watched, you know, Brett Favre. He made a career out of that. and. And he was a good quarterback, but he <laughs> he's not my kind of quarterback. I don't know if you would make it today either, just because the game yeah. you have to protect the ball so much more than back then. It's so important. Right. Right. And oh, and you just knew at some point in the playoffs, Brett Farr was gonna cost you. You know, he had his one big Super Bowl run, you know, right before the Broncos won two in a row. And after that, he just he struggled, you know, he always had that big interception that ended the game. And everybody'd be like, Oh man, there's Brett Favre again. And I just, yeah, that that kind of gut, that kind of mentality just doesn't work in today's NFL. When turnover differential is one of the few stats that can really tell the tale of a game. You know, yep. if you look at who won the turnover differential, usually you can tell who won the game. Yeah, and let me clarify: Brett Favre would be in the league today, but he would have to work harder to cut down on those interceptions. You know, his, you don't want him to Eli Manning his way through the league. His game would have to change definitely. Yeah. It just hurts to hear Brett Favre is the guy who actually got me into football when I was a kid. So 
Oh man. I watched a game of his and I just fell in love with the game. He was, he was a great guy to watch, you know, because he, he loved his so energy. Oh yeah, he was. And Chad Kelly, he's got some of that too. That that's yeah. like, yeah, no, I'm he's, not going to, I'm not going to do it the way Nick does it, but swag, he does have <laughs> it. And he, he loves the game and you just, you love to watch him play because you love the game watching him play. So I, I understand that, but it just, yeah, all the turnovers always yeah. just really, it was like nails on a chalkboard when I'd see that. Yeah, and using uh, Brett Favre as a comparison for that mentality that uh, Kelly has is very fitting. They both do have that gunslinger. I'm going to take. I'm going to take us downfield and win it. And they're very confident in themselves. And just that mentality comparison is actually really spot on. I think we're all in agreement that Chad Kelly does have some tools, but we're not going to see it this year. He's going to probably be put on IR, stashed. And hopefully we will not be in the discussion next year where he is in a chance to take the starting spot because that means neither of our starting quarterback, potential starting quarterbacks, uh, took the bull by the horns and, you know, ran with the opportunity. So overall, you know, as as good as his rap song is, you know, and as much swag as he has, hopefully he's not a guy, you know, <laughs> starting, for, starting for the Broncos next season. Fingers crossed. Let's all hope. Well, we, we should probably keep moving here a little bit and and talk about this next guy. And I I still I, I cannot find I need to ask you again where it is, Nick. You sent me that picture of uh, the the guy saying there's there's dozens of us around here. <laughs> you know, the you know, the the whole the people who follow him and, and think that he's the next great thing. And and after this first preseason game, I think that dozens turned into hundreds, if not thousands of people screaming for Sloter to get a chance to start. And, you know, that's, that's, it seems to always be the story. Every single preseason, third string quarterback, everybody's going, this guy deserves a chance. He's, he looks really, really good. And <laughs> I just have to laugh every time it happens because it, it, it really does. It happens every single year. And he's, he's the new guy and he played for Northern Colorado. So a lot of Colorado people might actually know who this kid is and maybe watched a little bit of him. But he had kind of a, a crazy history to get to the NFL. You know, he kind of moved from quarterback to wide receiver, back to quarterback, back to wide receiver, and had injuries that caused him to lose his starting position. And then he won it back because of injuries. And it was just kind of a, a crazy history to get him where he was. And uh, so I I really commend him for for enduring through all of that because that, that couldn't have been easy. But and, and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think we're all in agreement that Sloter's not seeing the field unless something drastic happens again this year. Yeah, he did impress me uh, in the game, obviously, you know, bringing him back because being a guy, I believe he played tight end for Southern Mississippi, was it? I believe he, because he transferred back to North Carol- uh, North Colorado. So he didn't originally play there. So he played a positional group of some sort. So he does have, as a man is for being, you know, a guy who hasn't played the quarterback for that long, uh, showing the decent motion and some uh, instincts in terms of escaping the pocket. And again, like I touched on, you know, looking to be a quarterback instead of a running back when he does use his athleticism. That was impressive to me in that game. That said, you know, if he misses that Isaiah McKenzie pass where he's probably not on the team anymore because that was as wide open as you could ever get. And my goodness, during the, uh, I did the mile high huddle quick game, uh, the Insta recap um, after the Bears game. And every single person was like, wow, you're not giving Sloter any credit he should be getting the starting you know he should be given a chance to start I'm like come on he's playing third string it's not happening he's so raw I mean from northern Colorado northern Colorado to the AFC West but I mean 
might as well start talking about the top quarterbacks in next year's draft because the, the season will not go well. But that said, you know, we've had Simeon prove a lot of people wrong. And we've had, you know, some seventh round guys be before. So if he can even just end up being a good backup quarterback, that's going to be highly valuable for an undrafted guy because he does have some tools. There are some fun things about him. But calling him for him, calling for him to start, please, come on. <laughs> We're a few years off of that. No, he he was impressive. He he did have a really yes. good game and everything like that. But what people need to take into consideration sometimes and is that he's was facing third string guys. Like these are guys who aren't going to be in the NFL in a couple weeks. They're going to be guys who are looking for a job elsewhere just to get them through the year. They're not even practice. A lot of them aren't even practice squad candidates for the, the for the Bears. And the Bears' defense is one that lacks depth. They they have a pretty good starting lineup, but their depth is kind of bad. So, got to take that into consideration. The throw to McKenzie was a standard throw that any quarterback should have made. The Bears blew the coverage completely. McKenzie got behind him. You got to make that throw, and he did it. There, there but there, there was also as much as there was a lot to like. There was a few things that actually really bothered me with his game. Um, there was one point where I think there was a little bit of pressure applied to him and he just kind of, I don't know, not he maneuvered around in the pocket, but just kind of did it seemingly like he was like a little lazy and slow and like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to actually take a sack here, but just going to mess around for a bit. But I like him. I like what he showed to sit there and go from a third string performance to, okay, he's our starter is a little extreme. Kind of got to take that step back. And then there's a website that uh, they don't help in this situation because they constantly, I won't say their name, but I'm sure everybody will know who I'm talking about. They (laughs) give out player grades for performances and stuff like that and makes people think how great they were. But for preseason, they don't ever take into consideration the level of competition they were playing. And so these guys who were playing third string always grade really, really high. And they end up not making the team because – Let's face it; they were facing third stringers. They they, they should have been playing that well. But should he get yeah, a shot I, with the ones? No. Should he get a shot with the twos? Same. I think he should get a little bit of time with the twos, maybe a few reps here and there, just to kind of just just not necessarily because he's going to have a shot, just in case of emergency. Get him that confident with the with a little bit of the the offensive line and stuff like that, and against a little bit higher competition, because Chad Kelly's going to IHAR. What 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 do you do? He's probably going to land on the practice squad as he should if they don't carry him onto the fifty three man roster, and if the two quarterbacks get hurt, it falls on him or they're going to go find somebody else. So it's kind of necessary that he gets a few reps with the higher up, but he he's not in serious contention to start or anything. Something that I saw earlier this week is they pro football focus gave their grades for, for all the games and individual players. And they had Tyson Sambrilo as the top left tackle in all of first, the first week of preseason. And, you know, that, that just makes me think of, you know, he was going to get second and third string guys. So you hope that a guy that has a little bit of starting experience, 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner experience can win in those battles you know but it just kind of gives that that understanding of he was going against a lesser competition you hope he would win those and you know everybody remembers what he did against first string guys last year it was not pretty and and so yeah that's just to give a little perspective of just because a guy looked good in preseason doesn't always mean that they went against great competition that actually challenged them and and slaughter falls into that and you know yeah I, i agree he had a he did what he needed to do he, he made the, the throws he needed to make. He, you know, there's times sometimes that, that routine throw to McKenzie, sometimes those are almost the hardest ones because it's just like it should happen and you almost kind of freak yourself out a little bit. Overthink it. And, and so, you know, he made the throw. I, I appreciate that at least. And, and he made a couple other throws that were really nice and kind of brought the team back a little bit there. And he, he did what he needed to do to show that he deserves to, to at least be on this 90-man roster. Because I think there were some questions there for a little bit during OTAs and minicamp where, I mean, from what I understand, he looked completely lost and the team was just like, what in the world did we have this guy for? They, you at know, one point, they were considering letting him go. Right. And so for him to to go from that to actually showing some impressive tools and, and looking like he belongs, yeah, that, that's great for an undrafted guy to, to reach that point. And maybe he could keep growing and maybe develop into that value backup quarterback and and that, that's good to have. You know, you like to have that cheap value backup, and he could maybe become that for us. So, yeah, just another name to, to kind of put out there with everybody else and and see what we got with him, and hopefully he develops. Eric, do you think that we will be able to sneak him onto the practice squad? Yeah. When it comes to the quarterback position, most play, most teams, they want to keep that third or fourth guy that they had all training camp just because quarterback is so hard to learn a new system. They just rather keep the guy who's already been there for that length of time on their practice squad. So you don't really see anybody call him up. And with third string guys, you have to put them on the roster. If you're going to keep three quarterbacks, you just keep the guys that you already had. That makes total sense. So hopefully he continues to play well, but doesn't play too well, you know, just in case. Doesn't play well enough to make him say, okay, hey, he's better than our backup. Yeah, exactly. Because he does have, I mean, I was impressed with the overall tools. I really was like, yeah. he showed some stuff that I was like, okay, this guy has upside because of the athleticism that he displayed because of just some, some of the natural tools that he has. But I mean, don't put him in with the first team. If you're putting him with the first team, we might as well, you know, be talking Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and Josh Rosen, which we oh, might man. later. We don't know <laughs> what they've gotten him. He can step in there with the first ring and just tear it up. <laughs> I mean, I guess we've seen crazier things like that Tebow run. <laughs> <laughs> Nightmare. Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. 
Uh, I still have no clue how that all happened. <laughs> I honestly think Bad I don't pressure. have any, you know. Yeah, true. I honestly think they were trying to go for Andrew Luck. Yeah, yeah I, I always yeah, think of the, they, the times that they uh, they would zoom in on Elway after they scored a touchdown, and like Elway wouldn't even want to stand up to clap because he'd be like, "Oh crap, we're gonna win this game!" <laughs> you know, almost like that was almost his face, and I'm like, "Oh man." This oh yeah, is... they wanted they wanted Andrew Luck, and um, they almost went to who's the other quarterback, Brady Quinn. Yeah, they almost went to him instead, yeah. but they wanted to appease the fans because the fans, they had that billboard and all that stuff and the Tebow chants and all that and stuff. And they thought that, okay, hey, putting Tebow in, he's not good. We'll get a good shot at top quarterback. And they don't. There was a lot of unhappy people in that building. And he kept winning. And he kept winning. And winning. Unless it was the Patriots. Yeah, let's not talk yeah. about that. <laughs> <laughs> I will give it to him. He he provided me with maybe one of my favorite games of all time, though. That that win against Pittsburgh was just ridiculous. And and that that play, I like I said, I, I think I've talked about it on this show before. Of I have the memory of texting a friend right before the overtime started, saying, "Watch this, Tebow to DT, ADR touchdown, game over." <laughs> and then he does it. And so, like for me, I'll, I'll always. Appreciate Tebow that he gave me that memory. So yeah, I, I got to give him that that part of it, and and I think he also, you know, us having a win, kind of a winning team. I guess we were nine and nine. I guess you could say, and I, I think that helped to get Manning on board too. You know that it wasn't he wasn't going to the worst team ever. You know that there was some talent on this team to actually help him win a game. Yeah, I agree. So I mean, we okay, we probably should step off the uh, down memory lane to talking about Tebow. As fun as that is. But we still got our top two guys left. Uh, would you guys rather talk Simeon first, or would you rather talk Lynch? Mm. Just a note for you listeners: this is before the game Saturday. So whenever you're listening to this, we recorded this before the game Saturday. So if one of them came in and lit it up, one of them stunk it up, we don't know that yet. You know, we're not not psychic oh, as much on, as we like to talk to people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but so I think I think we should start with Simeon just because Paxson's going to be getting the first team reps this week. Sounds good that to me. Sense. Well, I think most of us know kind of the, the story of Trevor Simeon. He's a six foot three, two hundred twenty pound player from Northwestern that was taken in the seventh round, and and I think most people kind of know he was QBX guy. You know, Elway kind of threw him a bone and said, you know, QBX said, "I want this guy." Broncos got him, and a lot of people are sitting there questioning it, going, "I don't even know why this guy's being drafted." Most people didn't have. I don't think any other team had a draftable grade on this kid. And but for Kubiak, he saw something in this kid, especially when he played. Was it? Uh, I'm trying to remember which team he was playing. Notre Dame. That's right. And yep, he rain. showed something in a really rainy, bad weather game. Showed a, an ability to to spin it through the 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 wind, especially. And so Kubiak fell in love with him and got him. And next thing you know, he's our starter. And uh, he he did okay. You know, I mean. It, I'm not going to say that he was the worst quarterback ever or anything like that. Cause he wasn't, you know, for, for a seventh round guy, you know, there's not, I can't even think of another seventh round quarterback that's actually done anything in the NFL. I'm sure uh, there are some, yeah, there, there might be one or two, but, but yeah, it's not a, it's not a, a place in the draft that you actually expect somebody to do something. You, you got a better chance of an undrafted guy showing up and doing something than you do of that seventh round guy. There's just more options in the undrafted pool. But yeah, he, he showed a little something last year and he completed about 289 passes 
out of 486 attempts and had about a 60% completion percentage right below it for about 3,400 yards, uh, seven yards an attempt, and 18 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. Protected the ball halfway decent there and had 28 rushes for 57 yards. And, you know, the offense was uh, up and down, I guess you could say. I don't know what's the best way. It, it was not great, for sure. But Simeon, he had some some moments, and uh, I, I remember that game against the Panthers especially, that nobody expected us to win with a seventh-round quarterback. And he came in, he made a couple plays, especially remember like it was like a third and two or third and three. And they all bailed back, and nothing was open, and he took off and was able to pick up a first down with his legs. And, you know, I, I almost I jumped out of my seat because it had been a while since I'd seen a quarterback take off running for the Broncos. <laughs> It, it just almost shocked me. So I, I really appreciated that when I saw it and, and kind of missed it from the, from the old days, you know, that watching Elway take off was always one of my favorite things, but yeah, he was able to start. What was it? 14 games for us last year yes. and wasn't able to finish one of them. The, the Tampa Bay game, he only played a little bit of the first half. So mostly 13 games is what he played last year. And, and the team on offense averaged about 18.9 points per game on the offense while he was in. And I don't know. I, I, you both know I'm not a big Simeon guy. You know, I, I'm one that I think he has shown a little bit of what he is. I, you know, a lot of people say, you know, second year starter, he could maybe show a lot more than he showed last year. And from what I'm hearing at camp and, you know, if you guys have heard something different, you can let me know. But what I've heard is he's pretty much the same player that he was last year of protects the ball, takes the check down throw a lot more. Even if the, the deep throws open, a lot of times he, he won't wait for the deep ball to get open because he's scared that the pocket's either collapsing or it's just not going to be open. And so he'll take the check down throw. And that, that's what you're going to get. You're not going to get this, this great scoring offense. You're not going to get a guy that's going to really challenge a defense he's going to take the safe throw and, and protect the football for the most part. Yeah. He's going to do enough that you're not going to lose the game directly because of him. You know, he'll, he'll take care of the ball as best he can. Granted, he does throw some balls into coverage. I mean, he had a fair amount of drop passes last year that could have been interceptions for sure. 21. <laughs> you had that number handy, but <laughs> overall for, I mean, a seventh round pick coming into the situation that he came into, you're not expecting. I hate it when people say, "Well, what about Tom Brady?" That's that's such an exception to the rule. That's 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 not how statistics work. You know, that's he's Tom Brady does not happen very often. And to say just because you know we have a late round quarterback that you know is starting for the team does not make him Tom Brady. I saw a stat the other day that showed uh, is breaking down quarterbacks by each round and who's won Super Bowls and who hasn't. And the sixth round has had quarterbacks that have won five Super Bowls. All the same quarterback. All Tom Brady. <laughs> so to sit here and say that, you know, somebody's going to get the next Tom Brady. Well, there hasn't ever been another Tom Brady. <laughs> that, that just doesn't happen. Like I said, you're actually more likely in that sixth and seventh round, you're actually more likely to get a good starter from the undrafted pool. There, there's more guys that have shown up out of the undrafted pool than, than out of the sixth and seventh round. So, yeah, th those that are hoping that that kind of quarterback is going to develop into something great, it just doesn't happen. It'd be great to get the next Tom Brady, but there, there's a reason there's only one. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, there are plenty of positives to talk about with uh, 
Simeon because he does have tools. I mean, he does like he's not you know overly toolsy, but I mean he can throw a tight spiral. He has okay athleticism. You know, he's not Peyton Manning in the pocket. He can escape when he needs to. And he has a pretty nice uh, repeatable delivery. Last year watching him, you know, Carl and I harped on this a bunch of times. He did not show great pocket awareness, which really drove me nuts. He would put the tackles in horrible situations because he would get such horrible depth in his uh, drop back. Now that said, you know, we did not run the ball very well. We did not have a great offensive line. So, you know, that's an obviously obvious built-in excuse for him because with, without a great offensive line, you're probably not going to do the best as a young developing quarterback. But to me, just tools wise, he didn't show enough that makes me think this is the guy to go with going forward. Now, he if he's better than Lynch this year, uh, and Lynch, you know, so far from what I've heard and what I saw against the Bears, Lynch did not look great. That's <laughs> putting it lightly. So if we have to, if we go with him this year, I'm I'm honestly not going to be totally heartbroken in that regard. But I just do not, I don't see a franchise quarterback. And I know that I'm probably more of a Simeon apologist than either of you guys. You know, last year, I'll fully admit, I was saying that Simeon should be the starter because what I saw from Lynch was somebody that was not ready to play. And I thought it would be to his detriment if he played because his mechanics were out of whack and the game just seemed to be be way too fast for him. So I thought maybe long-term that would hurt him. So I figured, you know, with the defense that we had, if we could win with Peyton Manning almost leading the league in interceptions while missing those games, all Simeon had to do was take care of the ball and we were going to be competitive. Turned out not to be the case. Yeah, we we still were competitive, but we didn't make the playoffs. So, I mean, one of these guys has to take the next step. Otherwise, in my opinion, we're back in square one, and I I can't see Elway standing idly by with his defense. He'll, he will make a move if neither of these guys step up, and I don't think he is – a giant fan of Simeon, you know, thankful that you have a quarterback of his caliber that you took in the seventh round. I mean, like I said, that has huge value to get a guy like that that late, but I just, I don't see a franchise quarterback and not everybody who starts as a franchise quarterback. Alex Smith has been starting for teams for years. He's not a franchise quarterback borderline. Yeah. Matt Stafford, you know, that's, that's kind of like that, that bottom rung. You want that kind of guy. So I, I just don't see that with Simeon. When I watch him, it's he kind of does remind me of Brian Hoyer. Overall, you know, he's just he's a decent enough athlete with a decent enough arm strength. You know, not the biggest guy, but he can do enough that he can keep you in most games, especially if I have a good team around him. But I think he'll probably end up, you know, playing for four or five teams when it's all said and done. Maybe more, you know, because he is good enough to stick around the league. He's smart enough. Players do seem to respond to him, so that's that is huge. But I just don't see an overall franchise quarterback. Now that said, you could have asked me last year or when he was drafted, you know, is this guy ever going to get play? I would have said absolutely no way. Heading into the camp last year, he was a seventh round pick. There's no way they'll probably give it to Sanchez or Paxton. I'm always open to change my mind uh, based on new tape and new information. You know, I'm not a closed book. <laughs> you have to be malleable and be able to change your opinion based on new information. But right now, I just I worst case scenario, we're in the same situation next year and we're still wondering who the quarterback is nick yeah i, I agree with you on that it, trevor has value that, that's something we have to get up up front with this that he he is one of those guys he really could last 10 12 14 years in this league and and teams will find great value in him you know if if mike glennon can get paid 15 million a year to go play 
you know, Trevor Simeon can go, go get some money as well. I mean, like I said, there's teams that value a quarterback like him. There's going to be teams that want that kind of transition quarterback, maybe as they're trying to find their guy or kind of like where the Broncos are at, where they're trying to get Paxton Lynch ready because there's not a lot of college quarterbacks that are ready day one. You know, a lot of the guys that came in this year, I think most of them were saying these guys are not ready day one to be the starter. And from what I'm understanding, it sounds like Osweiler is probably going to start for the Browns. Uh, I don't know about the the Texans. I haven't really heard, I guess, much of where they're kind of going. Savage. This is where yeah, I, all signs are pointing at Savage. Are they? Okay, good. And then, you know, we just saw him this last week, Trubisky. You know, a lot of people were talking him up. I, I don't know. Uh, that's Again, he was going against third string, and people have to kind of keep that in mind when he has a great day out there. And so – Sometimes you need that kind of transition guy that kind of keeps the team afloat and keeps things going. And, and Simeon can be that kind of quarterback and maybe even a little bit better than that. He can get better. He can, he can improve on some things. And, and, and there are a lot of coaches out there that love his style of play. Of quarterback coaches out there. You know, there are guys, I mean, this, this is where Kubiak, he wanted him to start. And this was part of the kind of tension between Elway and, and Kubiak this last year was, you know, Elway wanted, wanted Lynch to get a little bit more playing time. And Kubiak wanted his guy to be out there. And, and so, yeah, he's, he's a well-respected guy, especially by coaches and uh, by a lot of coaches out there. And so, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't want to dog on him. I mean, even though I'm not a big Simeon fan, there's things about his game that I really appreciate. And, and I respect a lot of, especially last year, how he held, held in there with all of his injuries. You know, I can't say enough of his toughness to go out there with, you know, pretty much a, a broken down shoulder still taking hits and, and still trying to make some throws. You know, I don't think that was a smart decision by the team to keep him out there like that when he was not obviously a hundred percent, but for him to still go out there and compete with his teammates, I think that shows a lot of his character. Simeon exceeded expectations last year. That's not something that people hear me say often. I often get called the Simeon hater because of how hard I am on him. He exceeded expectations. He was a play seventh round pick. You expect nothing of them. And he came out and started and he helped win some games. But his performance wasn't as good as everybody makes it out to be. He he wasn't fantastic. I have a screenshot on my phone of somebody talking about how he's better than Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> wow. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. It, what he says was was hilarious. But my issue is that when it came time to really, really step up towards the end of the season last year. I know he was banged up and hurt, but there was a three-game stretch last year where the team put up 23 points. In one of those games, he had less than a 40% completion percentage. He threw one interception, no touchdowns, 17 of 43. And that was against a division rival, the Kansas City Chiefs. Put up up three points against New England at home. The defense kept New England to, to 16 points. They, If I remember right, they had a couple other times where they were in a good position, and the offense just lost it. Simeon, he, he did, wasn't, that wasn't a bad game, 25 of 40, but he had an interception. Took four sacks. Nick, you touched up on that, how uh, his pocket presence and or a sense of awareness in the pocket wasn't that good, um, which is very spot on. There were multiple times where he would run into an open defender or he would run into an offensive lineman who was engaged with a defender, and then the defender would grab him and drag him down. 
or he'd keep dropping back when the edge rushers come and taking the wide turn. All, all these different things. Like it, you can say the often the offensive line was bad. You can say no run game, but some blame has to go on Simeon here. Like he he's tough. He he plays it a little bit safe, but his decision making wasn't that great. Yeah, he only had ten interceptions, but he had twenty one of them dropped. That led the NFL. Twenty one dropped interceptions. If those were caught, were if those were intercepted, how different would this conversation be? Would Simeon even be on this roster right now? I don't think he would be. He's got value because he's cheap. He's got value because he's a solid backup caliber quarterback. I don't think he has much room to grow. He hasn't shown any growth growth really from last year to this year. But that cheap value backup quarterback who can come in and help help you win when it's necessary, when your starter gets hurt, um, come in and uh, not turn the ball over, not lose you games um, directly anyways. All this stuff is what you have in Simeon. I'm not trying to knock on him by saying that I don't think he's a starter caliber. I think saying he's a um, top-end backup caliber quarterback is a huge compliment. He was a seventh-round pick. Like You're getting something out of him, and that's better than nothing as you get out of most seventh-round picks. Um, I think Carl touched up on it that he was a Kubiak guy. He was in those last three seventh-round picks. We kind of um, – gave up control a little bit and asked his guys who they wanted. They talked about taking Lyle Collins, which would have been huge with this offensive line and the state it's in. They, and then, but Kubiak says Simeon and he just kept pushing Simeon. So they took Simeon. Like, if he starts this year, they're getting a guy who can come in, help them win. They have the defense. Hopefully they have a running game to help take some pressure off him. I think he'll look a little bit better but I don't think he's going to be this outstanding quarterback that all these Simeon fans think he will be. Yeah, I, I agree completely with you. And, and like I said, I, I don't think calling him a, a backup quarterback that's a high-quality one is a huge insult. That, Like you said, he's a seventh-round pick where a lot of those guys don't even make the, the roster their first year. A lot of those guys are put on practice squad or don't even make the practice squad. So they're, they're kind of throw-up picks that you just kind of hope maybe turn into something, but you're just not really expecting anything. So that that's not an insult at all. And, and for him to be able to come in and maybe do a few things here and there, that's, that's, that's great. And he can be a, a guy that uh, if called upon, I guess this year, he can go help us win us some games and, and be smart out there. And, and I really do think his teammates respect him a lot, especially on the offensive side. I, I think that they have bonded with him a lot. And, and so I, I don't know. I just, if he wins the job, it's not that I'm going to sit here and say that he didn't earn it because from what I understand, he's he's been the better quarterback most of the time so far in training camp and, and, and the first game. But I'm just not going to have, I guess, the highest expectations for the team if he wins it. And and that's, that's hard for me because we're I think as Bronco fans, we're always used to being Super Bowl contenders or talking about it or you know, having that kind of mentality. And with this defense, we're, we're still in every game. You know, that's, that's the tough part is if our offense can do just a, a little bit more than last year, you know, that this team can, can win a couple more games and really make some noise, you know, especially, you know, you think about that 2015 run, the defense in the playoffs, like they took it up a notch. They were great in the regular season. And then they took it up another notch when they got to the playoffs. So could they do that again? 
Yeah, absolutely. So we will see what happens against the 49ers this week. He's going to be given second team reps and that second team offensive line did not look as good, especially in the run game. So he's going to have to, and if Latimer doesn't play either, he was the second team darling from, from what I saw and based on Carl's uh, film piece. So he's going to have to show up and I think we should probably move on to the guy who's going to get the first team reps and the uh, first round pick one of guy that Elway moved up from 31 to 26 to select. Paxton Lynch from University of Memphis. And I think we should hear from Eric first because Eric is a, you know, I mean, Carl, I think Carl would marry Paxton if he could. <laughs> like, man, I, I mean, I want that, I want that beer. So if Paxton doesn't win the starting job, I get that, that beer for me and my girlfriend. I, I, I want to hear from the, uh, one of the guys who scouted him uh, and we're bringing him on here. So Eric, give me the Paxton. The issue with Paxton is mental aspect. The physical tools are all there. There's no denying that. Can he improve on some of this stuff that comes with the physical tools? Yeah, his accuracy can be a little bit better. Um, and uh, sometimes his motion and all that can be a little bit better as well. It, it's all mental. He's been inside his head and um, just not performing well. He had a great time in May and June with all the mini camps and OTAs and all that stuff. Comes into training camp, may have got some wind about some stuff internally that I won't get into, but may have got to his head a little bit and kind of faltered. He wasn't doing super, super, super bad. He had a lot of interceptions, but also the defense was being keyed on the plays and everything. So that that didn't help the quarterbacks either. Didn't help Simeon either. Um, but he wasn't drastically worse than Simeon outside of a couple days and now he seems to be out of his his own head he seems relaxed having fun and he's put it together a few good practices and from what I was told going back to late last week to the last practice before the Bears game Simeon or Lynch was doing better than Simeon is what I've been what I was told by multiple sources within the team his reads he too often um I see him taking that looking at that first read or staring down that first read um doesn't find it, so he tucks it and runs. I want to see him to progress a little bit more, and he sounded like he was doing that really well today um, when he went 12 for 12, and he just went through his reads really quickly um, and everything, which is all huge news for him. I think uh, here it's one reason why I'm drawn to Lynch as a starter is we have no idea what he is. People can sit here and say he's a bust all he wants. They have no clue. People can say he's going to be a stud all he wants, all they want, but they have no clue. No one knows what Denver has in Paxton Lynch, and there's no better time to find out than now. If you don't do well, then you're in a good position for next year's draft class. But the issue that comes with that is you're also throwing away another year with this elite defense. So all these pros and cons for it, and, but – at some point you have to figure out what you have in packs. And I think the time to do that is now, even though I had him deemed as a two to three year project, the Broncos have tried to speed that up a little bit and jam it into a one year process, but he, he's got, he's got the tools. He's got the athleticism. He can really, really work in Mike McCoy's offense. It's just, he has to stay out of his head, has to stay relaxed, stay confident and just go out and have fun and just play the game. I'm completely with you on that. And honestly, there there were some things in that Bears game that really bothered me with him. The one of the biggest ones for me actually was you had kind of talked about it there, Eric, of 
he'd look at his first read and then look to take off running. And, and you would see that the ball was nowhere near in position to, to even try to throw it. You know, when, when he was scrambling around, it, 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 the ball was either so low as below his hips or he already had it tucked. And, you know, I, I keep thinking sometimes of when I watch him move around in the pocket and, and throw guys off of him, you know, he kind of has some of those pictures of, of Ben Roethlisberger where he just makes a play out of nothing. And, but he, there, there's no way he can do that if he continues just to keep that ball down there and already look to run. You know, if he's not, if he's taking his eyes off downfield, it's already over. You know, he's made his one decision of what he's going to do with the football. And it just really eliminates that, that big playability unless he really breaks something in the run game. So that, that was kind of frustrating for me to see, but it's, it's good to hear, like you said today, and, and really since he's been there with the, at the 49ers, he, he's kind of stepped it up this week in practice and gone through his reads a lot better. I was listening to a guy talk about that. He was uh, standing pretty much where the, where the safeties would be just trying to watch the eyes of, of Paxton Lynch. And he said, I was really impressed with how he was manipulating the the, the safeties, you know, where he'd stare down the middle of the field and next thing you know, boom, he hits the outside or he's looking on the outside, getting the safety to move over and boom, hits the middle of the field. And, and that's what you got to hear. Those are the things that he has to do to really go to that next level. Because like you said, he, he has athleticism out the wazoo, you know, the, the, there's not many more, quarterbacks out there, they're going to be more athletic than him of have that big arm plus legs and an ability just to, to throw people off. But yeah, he, he has to get those, those little quarterback things down. And, and you kind of hinted at it of most viewed him as that two to three year project. And the Broncos are really having to try to, to microwave that. And I think some people, and, and, and this happens in the NFL in today's world, you know, we're, we're impatient. We don't like to wait to see if a guy can develop. You know, he doesn't perform right away. He's a bust. And, and I hate that feeling because it just, that's just not the way the NFL works. You know, not everybody is an all pro day one. You know, Elway always talks about it of, you know, we don't draft all pros. We, uh, you know, we coach him up or, or however he says it. I can't quite remember. And, and I see that with Pax Lynch where he's, he's having to learn the game. He's, he's going to have his really great days. And he's also going to have his days where he completely falls flat on his face. And, you know, I think people get a little too up and down when it comes to, to seeing, oh, Paxton had a terrible day. Oh, Paxton had a great day. You know, it just, <laughs> it's going to happen with a young player. Yeah, absolutely. And I was starting to worry about just the the mental aspect of his game, you know, not even on the field, but the pressure of it. He was not responding. I mean, th- this quarterback battle was laid out and put on a silver platter for him. All he had to do was compete evenly with Simeon, who by all accounts has been steady Eddie all camp, you know, not doing enough to win the job, but, you know, still kind of not taking the shots that the coaching staff wanted him to and going for the, uh, going from the first read to the check down on a lot of, a lot of reps, according to uh, some inside sources that discussed with as well. Uh, So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that he looks better this week against the 49ers. He, he almost looked like he regressed in that game against the bears. I don't know what it was, just the wheels were spinning. And as uh, Chad said, deer in headlights. So the penalties obviously hurt him. Uh, the Broncos not being able to run the ball with the second string hurt him. And he had a decent drive going there in that third quarter uh, before that fourth and one, where I believe it was Barbara got blown up. Uh, he couldn't get that fourth and one run down. 
he's he has to show it this week, and he has to show it against the 49ers. Apparently, a lot of the offense is ready to go with Simeon this year because Paxton has been so erratic, and some of the defense even as well. But he still has a chance. Elway wants him to be the guy from everything I've heard, and it makes sense. I mean, you can read through Elway's comments. He wants Paxton to take this opportunity, and he's going to have a prime chance to do it on Saturday. 49ers secondary is not very good. They do have a good defensive line, but still the Broncos, you know, they should match up pretty well against them. And all he has to do is go out there and play football, sling the rock, uh, work on those. I mean, he's been working all summer on the fundamentals, his footwork, especially uh, tightening up that motion. And I just, it does, he doesn't even have to win the job for me to be happy. I just have to have to see some progress because that bears game for me personally was very disheartening. I was somebody who thought maybe he was a little bit too raw to be a first round pick. Uh, Cause you know, he's going to take two, three years before he's going to see the field. And that again, that game last week just made me wonder if it's going to click for him. You know, maybe, maybe this is a week he needs to have that fire under him. And this today in practice, apparently he went 12 for 12 had like four touchdowns or four passes over 20 yards. And one of his best days of practice he's ever had as a Bronco. So that gets me stoked. I mean, how how much more exciting will the season be with the first round athletic quarterback with a cannon? I, as a fan, I mean that's that's the reason people wanted to see Tebow. It was more exciting. So you that's you got that going with Lynch as well as just a, a spectacle, and he has the tools. I mean, he does have an over the top motion, a little long, and he does have really long arms for even that six foot seven frame. He's got long arms, and his footwork not always the best. And sometimes you know he looks more comfortable throwing the bubble screen because that's what he did at Memphis rather than, you know, throwing the intermediate routes and out the hitch to post, you know, all those guys that are much more complex, but it, it's his opportunity to take. All he has to do is take it. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to Saturday, especially after, you know, apparently he had a great week at camp and he's supposed to be a gamer and this, this is his chance. So go get it. Yeah. This is about his last chance to, I saw one thing I wanted to say on it is, uh, correct me up. I was looking through Twitter and I saw somebody claim that Paxton Lynch was a reach in the first round. I just want to touch up on this. Paxton Lynch, while it may be to some fans that he was a reach, to NFL teams, he was not. There were eight, nine, or ten teams looking to trade up, not counting Denver, to get Lynch. Everybody knows Dallas, but there were many others. They loved Lynch. They loved what he was. They knew he was a project, and they wanted him. He, he wasn't a reach in the first round. I'm sorry, but he wasn't. Yeah, you could not be a reach and still not really want the pick, though. <laughs> I wanted Dak, I, and we both wanted Chris Jones. Oh, yeah. He. <laughs> that makes me sad. Yeah. I know. Sorry, guys. We got my guy. <laughs> so so my, my question is, what does he? What does a good game look like for for him? I guess this Saturday. What what will it take for him to to win it? Good number of completions. Like at least, I mean, obviously, sixty percent is about the cutoff. You don't really want below that. You want what, playing a quarter and a half. Yep. Mm, you want to see a decent amount of yards. Like, it's hard to say. Really judge on that because you don't know how much they're going to run. Um, you want to see at least a touchdown drive. At least one, no interceptions, no fumbles, no sacks. Even though sacks are more of the offensive line, you want to see no sacks because it means that he's either getting the ball, getting rid of the ball quick enough, or he's maneuvering the pocket to where he can throw the ball away 
or um, get a completion without taking a sack. Nick, anything you disagree with that? I want to see him just go be Paxton. You know, he's going to have to show that he can take some snaps under center, but with McCoy, it's not as big of a deal. But the thing that makes Paxton Paxton for me is that he does have some backyard football to him. And with, you know, so many big plays coming from the, again, I touched on the Aaron Rodgers and the Russell uh, Wilson type where, you know, you get out the pocket and you look to extend plays and see what you can do in a broken play. That backyard football can create some, you know, some of that juice that we've been talking about all off season. And I want to see a few plays where he gets out there, maybe makes something incredible happen. You know, we need to see some wild throws and he has the ability to do that. So I want him obviously to play within the structure of the offense, but you also have to be able to break it sometimes and make some magic happen. And I think he can do that. Yeah. And uh, do you also want to see him be confident and lead in the Bears game? It seemed just, he just kind of took a, uh, backdrop kind of thing and just stood in the background didn't really lead the second unit offense and uh, kind of want to see him step up if the run play's not working talk to them like take that leadership role that's one big that's been one big thing that i keep hearing that he's not showing is that leadership like it's time for him to step up and do it and i want to see him start taking those steps I, i really liked today at least from what i heard there was a big fight that broke out and, and Paxton Lynch was the guy that kind of got in the middle of both teams and separated them. You know, to, yeah. to me that shows some, some leadership of staying calm in a very hostile situation and being the guy that's like, all right, come on, let's get back to focus. Let's, let's get where we need to get, you know, kind of thing. This is, there's things we got to get done in this practice. And, and, and so that was for me a very promising thing when it come to, to seeing some leadership on the team and, and also just seeing some of the guys and, and hearing that, a lot of like the, the receivers with some of the passes coming back, giving them high fives and just, you know, kind of responding like, Hey, I appreciate that you're really stepping up and I'm going to step up for you. And so, yeah, we'll just have to see if that actually translates then to Saturday. You know, that's always the big thing is it's great to hear of a great practice, but if he goes and lays an egg in the game, it's kind of like, well, <laughs> Oh, well, it was, you know, another inconsistent performance there by, by Paxton. So it's, yeah, he, he's, he's got the opportunity. He's got an amazing opportunity before him. And if he can go out there and take that, it'll go a long ways, I think, into winning a lot of people over to this guy could turn into something. Yeah. But it could could go the opposite way, too. Oh, yeah, I I agree. I agree. So I I guess here's here's my, my, my final question, I guess, when it comes to Paxton is, let's say he doesn't have a great game on on Saturday. Is this his last opportunity with the Broncos? Like, would they are, are would they think about moving on from him after this season? Because there's a great looks like a great quarterback class coming up this next year, and you know Elway's not one that's always great at showing patience. You know, he's kind of a you know we're going to win from now on. We're going to keep winning. We're not going to have these down years and and just hope that we eventually land somebody. You know, kind of thing. So, do we go into next year with that same kind of question of? Paxton Lynch being our guy, or is it time to move on? I think that if Simeon does win this job, he is going to have a short leash. And with that being the case, you know, I don't see the team being good enough around him or Simeon himself being, you know, taking that next step, at least from what I've seen so far and heard so far, that I think we'd probably still see Paxton at some point this season. If the team is struggling or out of the playoffs, you know, or just – the offense, even if it's not totally Simeon's fault, if the offense is struggling or, you know, we're just losing games. If they need a spark. 
Yeah, but if they need the you know the Tebow spark, classic Tebow coming in for Orton midseason. You know, you're not sure what you're going to get, but you have to evaluate that guy. You have to see what you have, and that way you can make a better decision in the offseason. So I think that even if Paxton doesn't win this gig, if the team falters, he's going to get on the field. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, really. Um, the Lynch, which, whichever quarterback starts, the leash was going to be really, really short. Um, I think it. I think the worst thing would be Lynch to get the start and then be benched for anything besides injury. I think that means that he's he's likely he's on his last legs in Denver. If Simeon gets a start and Lynch doesn't even see it, doesn't really play this year, it'll carry over to next year. They'll sit there and try, but that won't mean they don't address quarterback position in some way. They'll probably bring somebody else in to help with the competition between Simeon and Lynch. If Simeon's even here, I know there were this last year, there was a couple times they looked at, at trading him and talked to a few teams about it, but you never know. Um, they might do the same thing. They might decide, okay, enough is enough with Lynch and try to trade him. But I, I don't think they will. I think at the very least, if he doesn't get it, the leash will be short. And I think he does see snaps sometime this year. And that'll give a much clearer picture for the Broncos in this off season. All right. Well, we have spent probably too much time talking on the quarterback position. Yeah. Although I don't think there's, that's such a thing, you know, it's obviously the most important position and it's, this is the most interesting quarterback battle in all of football. I mean, you got a high profile franchise with high profile guys leading them and just, you know, nobody, everybody's eating it up. You know, it's, we have a quarterback scoreboard that I've seen with different media outlets going from day to day. People are eating it up. So we'll see what happens. I think we do have, you know, best case scenario, we have two solid quarterbacks and hopefully one will rise to the top and be a franchise guy. Cause that can set up a franchise for a decade. We're yet to see that, you know, but overall I, as a fan, first and foremost, you know, I'm optimistic. Hopefully one of these guys will rise to the top, but if they don't next year's quarterback class does look pretty darn enticing. I'm not going to lie. Some people like Eric and I were talking about, uh, Carl had a little bit of an electrical issue out Eric and I were talking and he said that some people have called it similar to the 1983 class. Now I, I mean, obviously you're not, not claiming multiple hall of famers, but just the depth of the class looks pretty outstanding. And considering how many of the leading passers last year in college football were uh, either freshmen or sophomores, that's, that's not that surprising. You got a lot of good arms coming up. So first off, I want to go with the guy who many people think will be a, uh, New York Jet next year because that roster is so bad and they're going to take a quarterback. Uh, Mr. USC, Sam Darnold, six foot four, 225 pound redshirt sophomore. So they're going to be the Jets or the Jaguars. Both teams are going to go 0 15 and 1. Their one tie is going to be when they face each other. <laughs> <laughs> the Jets do get to play the Bills, who look pretty bad too. Not that bad. Not, yeah. not, not that as bad. bad. <laughs> yeah. I saw Tyrod Taylor threw an interception today. Uh, yeah, but no, uh, Sam Darnold, I, I watched a few of his games this last year and and it was amazing the night and day transformation for USC once he came in. Now, given USC was playing teams like Alabama before he came in and, of course, got obliterated in that game, but great arm. He is fearless. That, that was one thing that I just noticed, especially in that, that bowl game. There were some throws that I'm just like, how in the world did that get in there? And, you know, so in college, I think there's times he could get away with that. Where in the pros, I, I don't think that kind of, those kind of throws actually happen. 
you know, those windows are so much tighter. And so he, he's going to have to learn to, to, to add to his game, to be able to throw guys open, you know, those kind of things. But yeah, there's, there's some impressive tools with this kid. Weird throwing motion. I think we all know that something either he's got to work on, or I guess teams just got to be okay with, you know, I always kind of think of those teams that try to change that throwing motion. It just completely throws off the quarterback. It doesn't usually work when they try to change it too much. And yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he's, I, I think he's set up to be that, that number one overall quarterback. And honestly, if I'm him and the jets are the number one pick, I'm going back to college. <laughs> I, I, or I'm sitting out say I'm doing the, the Eli Manning and sitting out because, Oh my goodness, that roster, it's, it's going to take like two, three, four years to really build that roster back up. Honestly, it just, it's that bad. And I feel like he could be that David Carr situation where he's just surrounded by such terrible talent that it just destroys him. And by the time they actually get talent, his confidence is completely gone. I I don't know. I I always feel for those guys that have to go in those top five picks because it's not a good situation, obviously. Yeah. As you said, Darnold, USC, you really saw a difference when he came in. I, I, Scout told me he's the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. Like he, He's got so much praise. He looks really good. He looks the part. His upside's tremendous. He He's going to be the first round, first overall. He should be the first overall pick whenever he declares. And uh, if it is between the Jets and the Jaguars, I don't wouldn't blame him if he decided to return for another year. To be completely honest, as Carl said, that those rosters are very, very, very bad, and just not something you want to be on. If the ja- if it's the Jaguars at the number one overall pick, I'll be a little bit more welcoming to coming in. They actually have some talent on that team on offense, on defense. The Jets are just bad, horrible. They need to invent a new word. They're just bad. <laughs> I-, I feel bad for their coach too because I think he's a good coach, just in a really crappy situation. But um. Yeah, he's got a really good arm. Um, he, he's really he's just everything that a team wants in a quarterback, both mentally and physically. Yeah, I do worry somewhat about his throwing motion, but apparently he's been cleaning it up and tightening it. And even with that tightening, he's gotten more velocity on his ball, and his deep ball has uh, had a tighter spiral. So I'm excited to watch him this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if USC wins the Pac-12 pretty easily and is uh, fighting for a uh, – chance in the national championship so he's a he's a fun quarterback i also love how thick he is he looks like a linebacker like he's he can definitely you know move around he makes a lot of those backyard ball kind of throws as well where he you know things happen and i he's definitely my number one quarterback and my number one player on the board going into next year uh but he is not my favorite quarterback to watch that personally is the guy that i like to call I don't know how PG this is, but I call him John Elway's wet dream. <laughs> Josh Allen, six foot five, 225 pounds and pretty slippery can move around and has a, a good arm and plays in altitude. And I mean, his bootlegs, when I saw his bootlegs, you know, last year, I was like, wow, this, this guy has to be a Bronco if we're in a position to take him. Cause he's just seems like an Elway quarterback to a T tall, lanky altitude, the cannon for an arm, good athlete. And, you know, fun to, fun to watch. He does have issues. Uh, he likes to throw what I like to call YOLO balls. A lot of times last year when he uh, opened up against Nebraska, he had five interceptions. He totally melted down in the second half. Granted, a lot of that was him trying to put the team on his back when as a lot more talent. 
than the Wyoming uh, roster has. So if they're going to win, it's going to be on his arm. And he also has to play better within the structure of the offense. He looks to escape the pocket and, you know, create crazy plays down the field, almost like every other play. And he doesn't show the best accuracy and decision-making from within the pocket. And you can get away with that, you know, playing in the uh, Mountain West and even in college. But in the NFL, if you're only playing outside the structure of the offense, especially not having accuracy within the pocket, you're not going to succeed as an NFL quarterback. So great tools, so much fun to watch, but he's going to have to improve within the pocket if he's going to be a successful NFL quarterback, in my opinion. As you stated, he's what well, he's always type of quarterback. Uh, just everything about him just screams that Elway's going to sit there and pound the table for him. Um, Elway did that with Lynch. I've had a scout throw a Paxton Lynch comparison out there with Josh Allen, more so for the size, the arm, the length, that kind of stuff, than overall ability and the athleticism. The more popular one is Philip Rivers that I've heard. I see it to a point. I see it to a point, but I don't com- agree with it one hundred percent. A lot of stuff that he needs to work on. Um, mainly his accuracy. It's kind of nah, but he, he's a lot of fun to watch. And if Denver's in a position next year where they want to take quarterback, I would not be surprised one bit if Elway trades up and tries to get Josh Allen. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's it's obvious to see Elway has a type of quarterback. He likes the the tall, big, strong guys uh, with a strong arm. And there, there's no quarterback in this draft that fits that more perfect than Josh Allen. Or yeah, Josh Allen. And like I said, there, there's another part of it where they do scout for guys that play at altitude and he plays at altitude. So I'm sure that they're taking a hard look at him. And if this whole season completely tanks, yeah, I'm sure LA would try to trade up and get a guy like this and, and try to work with them and, and see what they can do. But um, I'm, I'm hoping, I, I really don't think we have, I mean, our defense is good enough to win us quite a few games. And so I, I don't see how we'll be in a position. Cause I do think, somebody's going to fall in love with that height weight speed kind of combination that he has as a quarterback and, and think that they can develop him into that next great quarterback. So I, I think he's going to be that top 10 pick and I think the Broncos would have to give up a lot to go get him. Quarterback's the only position worth doing that for. If you think he's going to be your franchise guy, you go get him period. So I, he's a fun guy. And I mean, granted you're not trading Von Miller, but picks wise, you know, if you have to give up two first round picks, I mean, there's obviously risk for it, but it's risky also to waste away a great defense without a quarterback. Just ask Andy so, Reid and the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, exactly. So the next high-profile quarterback that had recently made some uh, buzz, maybe positive, maybe negative, you know, speaks his mind saying that the uh, it's impossible to be a high-level student. You can't do both. And that is a UCLA quarterback, Josh Rosen, 6'4", 215 pounds. Personally, for me, Eric and I have a little bit of disagreement with that, but when I watch him, I see kind of a Matt Ryan-like quarterback. He needs to fill out his frame a little more, but he's got a very smooth delivery, uh, decent touch, and he definitely wants to play within the pocket, uh, very repeatable delivery. And there was a reason he was – I believe he was the number one overall quarterback recruit when he went to UCLA. Uh, Good job moving in and out of the pocket, manipulating it-wise. And he does – you know, he can get out of the pocket and reset his feet, but he's not much of a runner – he can get a little reckless if pressure is there. He does not handle pressure very well, which is a huge red flag for me. Um, and he can trust his arm too much. And, you know, he's one of those guys where 
he can go through spells of the games where he is bad, but then when he catches on fire, it's strike after strike. So I could see him struggling this year. Uh, if he does not handle pressure better, I don't think UCLA is, I mean, they're not as talented as USC, obviously, but he could end up challenging for, you know, a top three pick. Definitely a, a, a pro style quarterback that I could see a lot of teams, you know, wanting a quarterback that plays more within the pocket wanting to take him. Yeah. Uh, he, he's got the tools for a franchise quarterback, but uh, when I watched him, I just wanted to see him a little bit more consistently. My biggest thing is something that you touched on. It's how he looks when he gets under pressure. And he looks like somebody who doesn't even deserve to be on a roster a lot of the time when he's under pressure. Um, his delivery is one of the cleanest and neatest that I've seen in a long time. I, I love his delivery. Um, my my biggest my honestly my biggest thing though is stuff that you can't is hard to judge because it's all stuff that you just hear through talk, hear it through the grapevine. I've heard that he's not liked by teammates. He's entitled, holds everybody else accountable, but becomes a complete pain when they try to hold him accountable for his mistakes. Very argumentative, a little bit hard to coach, all these kind of things. And that just doesn't bode well for me, especially at the quarterback position where even Tom Brady, I can't remember when it was. It was just within the last couple of years. He's talking about how even still he takes, he's listens to what his coaches have to tell him. He's arguably one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best, to ever play the game. And he's still listening to his coaches and trying to get feedback and still improve. Aaron Rodgers, same thing. Peyton Manning would do the same thing. So if you have that attitude at the quarterback position that you don't aren't going to take the coaching very well, I have a hard time seeing you be successful. I hope he changes it around because, as I said, he's got he's got a lot of the tools for a franchise quarterback. And I want to see him turn around so he can actually do something. Yeah, I'm – I've heard those same things, Eric, and that's that definitely concerns me as with any quarterback. You know, they they have to be the guys that are are willing to listen and, and learn because it's it's a position you you don't know everything day one. You really don't. I mean, I, I, Manning, how many interceptions did he throw his his rookie year? You know, he had to learn from a lot of his mistakes, and you know, the best players are the ones that that watch their tape and are willing to take the criticism and and grow from that and. You know, I remember, I think it was Von Miller, his rookie year. He got juked out of his sh- shoes pretty much on a, a play-action play. And the coaches took him out from then on when they thought that kind of play was going to come his rookie year. And then they started working with him on it. Okay, here's what you're looking for. This is, you know, the things you're watching for. And, and of course, he's improved on that. He's done great. And he's become maybe the best defensive player in the NFL. So even Von Miller, you know, a guy that now is – like I said, one of the top probably 10 players in the NFL alone, he had to learn. And if your quarterback's not willing to do that, there's a lot of guys out there that are kind of fall into that. You know, he kind of, when you were describing him, I kept thinking of all the critiques I kept hearing of Connor Cook. You know, not well liked by his teammates. Wasn't he the one that didn't have a single teammate show up to his birthday party or something? Uh, I mean, I didn't get an invite. Yeah, I didn't either. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, those kind of things that just – you want your quarterback to be the the most respected and not they don't have to be liked, but they have to at least be respected. And when they speak, other players listen. And, and some of that does come with, you know, bringing yourself to those players. Even Manning, I don't know how many times I'd hear stories of him trying to connect with the younger guys. He didn't always do great at it, but they at least respected that he tried. You know, and 
So yeah, he's not my favorite. He has all the tools that you like, but just got to see him show it a little bit more consistent and, and maybe here's some of those, you know, maturity things, I guess, get cleaned up. You know, sometimes that happens with guys. They just need a little bit of humbling. They just need a moment to, to grow up. Something clicks for them that makes them all of a sudden snap out of it and become a better player, better person, all those kind of things. Full and, circle. Chad Kelly. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, sounds like you're talking about Chad Kelly a bit. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's some of those guys. They just take a little bit longer to grow up, and maybe he's one of those. So, we'll, we'll see this year. He's a guy I'll definitely be keeping an eye on because – Maybe he is a guy that slips a little bit because of some things, some inconsistencies and Could some of those other rumors. And maybe that's the guy that Elway says, hey, this is the guy slipping because Elway does that. He takes guys that are are talented but have slipped because of one reason or another. And and he cleans up on that. You know, he's, he's a guy that does well of working through all of the, the junk that other teams don't want to deal with and, and find the guys that have high talent that are top 10 talents. Wow, the light bulb just went off. That makes total sense, Carl. I never even thought of that. <laughs> I mean, not that it's going to happen, but like that makes sense. So hopefully, again, one of these, one of our quarterbacks shows to be a franchise guy and we don't have that option, but I could see Rosen falling because of that. All right, well, we are running a little long because quarterback talk is always a lot of fun, but we should probably touch on a few more of these guys. And I want, Eric, can you give me a three minutes, Lamar Jackson? Um, Lamar Jackson's probably the most fun to watch out of all these quarterbacks that we've talked about, even the ones currently on the Broncos roster. He, he's so exciting with what he can do, both with his legs and his arm and just everything. He's shown, he has shown steady growth. Um, you still want to see more, especially with him, his work from the pocket. Um, I, he's Michael Vick to me. And I'm one of the few, I loved watching Michael Vick, the player, as I, as I said with Jackson, he was just so fun and so exciting to watch. And so is Jackson. Um, so dangerous with his, with, uh, his legs and just his ability to take off. And um, I just want to see him do a little bit better from the pocket. And if he does that, he can be a pretty high pick. Yeah, absolutely. And he's got a whip. His arm actually is like shockingly good for being a smaller guy. And apparently he's put on weight. That's another big concern of mine with him is he's just so skinny with how he runs. Is he going to be durable or is he going to pull an RG3? Yeah, so, but definitely, I, I mean, he wouldn't surprise me at all if he won Heisman again, just because he's going to put up crazy stats. It was like video game stats. Like you turn everything up to 99 when you're playing old NCAA football and just chuck it down the field and run it, you know, 12 touchdown games. That seemed like Lamar Jackson last year. Carl, would you want to talk about Rudolph or Falk? I will talk about Mason Rudolph. Ooh, okay. Or do you want him? No, he's go ahead. Like, yeah, you want him? All you. No, all you. Um, he is a, a guy that it seems like people are really torn on him. I've seen some people speak really highly of him, and I've seen some people who just don't think he's going to be that franchise guy. And uh, I guess I've seen a little bit of both. I want to see a lot more this year. I, I haven't watched a whole lot on him. And I, I want to see him especially when he gets under pressure because he was one. And you have a note here, and I really agree with this, that he had a lot of clean pockets at OSU. And so, you know, that's great to be able to throw it when you have a clean pocket. I mean, you need to be able to do that. You need to be able to show that. But the NFL, how often do you have a, a clean pocket? You know, it, I mean, you're, you're going to have some of it, but it's still you got to – the great ones are the ones that can do great with a, a clean pocket and great with, with a bunch of junk around them. 
and you just gotta gotta work through that. And so I want to kind of see what he can do with some some pressure throws and and work through some of that and and uh, and then work on his deep ball accuracy. You know, that's there's a lot of guys out there that have made a career out of short and intermediate throws, but if they can hit some of those deep balls, it really causes the defense to have to back off. And so just need to see a little bit more consistency from this guy. You know, that's a lot of these young guys. You, you said it when your freshmen and sophomores are some of the best quarterbacks in, in college football, you're going to have a lot of great games. And you're going to have a lot of inconsistent games. I, I think you, you noted on Lamar Jackson where he had, what was it? The five interception game. Uh, that was Josh Allen. That was, oh, Josh Allen. Sorry. Yeah. Josh Allen. And you know, great quarterback, but he has those kind of games, you know, every once in a while, because he's young, he's just learning the game. And, and that's, you know, it's that bigger leap to the NFL of having to learn the game. So Mason Rudolph, he's definitely a guy I'm going to keep an eye on. Cause again, he fits kind of that, that mold of that tall quarterback um, can have a decent arm to throw with. So maybe he's another kind of guy that Elway likes. Yeah, me neither. I'm not a huge fan. I know Scott Porter, our buddy Scott is, but to me, he reminds me of the old version of Carson Palmer, you know, not a great athlete, an okay arm, but just, you know, needs to play more in a vertical offense, but doesn't have the greatest arm to push the ball down the field. So if we get him, uh, it would remind me of when the Broncos were apparently interested in Brandon Whedon <laughs> that year before we got, uh, we got Manning, just like, ugh, I'd rather not. Let's, let's, let's not do that. Let's get a free agent one or something. Upside. But, okay, um, I will go with Luke Falk, uh, quarterback for Washington State, plays in the famous Mike Leach air raid, uh, six foot four, 205, and you know, his profile looks a lot like Jared Goff. And playing in that air raid system, he plays a lot like Jared Goff. He's a smart quarterback, very accurate with the ball placement, uh, not really a threat with his legs, it, and he's pretty skinny, so I'm worried about his uh, durability and able to, ability to get hit multiple times. You know, quarterbacks in the NFL, you're going to get hit multiple times, often. And you're going to have to be able to get back up and be durable. That's the question about Simeon. You know, he's, he's been injured a lot in so far his career. Chad Kelly, injured a lot. And Falk, I, I, at 6'4", 205, he's, he's real thin, and I'm worried about that long term. One thing also that I do not like about him is that he just does not have a great arm. Uh, I wrote a Chad Pennington level arm. He probably has a little bit stronger arm than Chad Pennington. Chad Pennington had a notoriously horribly soft arm, especially after his uh, injury. And Falk did get better from his uh, two years ago to last year in terms of his velocity. But that's just, that is not an LA quarterback. None of that sounds like an LA quarterback to me. Not a great athlete, not a strong arm, doesn't play under center and use his feet. So he will probably, I mean, perfect scenario for Falk. He'll go to a team like the, uh, the Saints where he can play in a high-volume passing game or play a lot of shotgun and use uh, quick, accurate underneath routes and take some shots, obviously, every once in a while. But in terms of what I see, what, what I think Elway likes in his quarterbacks, Falk isn't one that makes sense. And I think he's much more a product of a somewhat softer Pac-12 and obviously a high, very high-volume passing attack. Anybody disagree with that? No. We have a few more quarterbacks on here. Uh, I'll just list some if anybody has anything uh, they want to throw out about him. Baker Mayfield, I don't really think he's probably an NFL quarterback. Johnny Manziel 2.0. Yeah, not really my favorite. I do like DeAndre Francois. Uh, I do not think he comes out this year, but he's a lot of fun. And if Florida State wins it all, maybe he will come out. He's got some tools. He can throw the ball down the field. I love how he stands in the pocket. 
Maybe Pac can be crumbling around him. and he He's very play. enticing. He has a chance. I don't think he comes out, as you said, but I think he has a chance to really compete for a, a first-round pick in the 2019 draft. I say potential number one overall in 2019 in my notes. Yeah, it, it, it all obviously depends on how much he grows, but there's definitely yeah. that ceiling there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Chase Litton from Marshall, guy didn't impress me too much. Looks like a backup quarterback. The easy, low-hanging fruit is comparing to Mike Glennon, 6'6", 225, with kind of an awkward release and not very much velocity on the ball. He's a backup Nick guy. Fitzgerald. Yeah, he's a, he's a backup to me. And uh, Nick Fitzgerald, who, I mean, watching him, it was kind of like watching Tebow or early Dak Prescott, where his his games, all his good plays were great runs. Granted, 6'5", 230, the way he ran, super fun. A lot of fun to watch because he's a strong guy. And he, he does throw some good balls when he's asked to, but it's just so erratic. You know, one will be right in the guy's bread basket. Next one will be 10 yards over his head. So those are some of the guys that I watched. Eric, you had a couple uh, extra ones as well that I hadn't gotten to yet. Um, Riley Ferguson, the replacement for Lynch at Memphis. He's a guy that I, I like a little bit of what he's shown. I'm not sure what caliber of a quarterback he's at yet. I haven't really dug in deep on him. And then um, Allen, um, oh, what was his first name? The Houston quarterback. He's another one that I like what I saw, but he's one that I haven't dug in a lot on. And then Austin Allen from um, Arkansas. He's one who's getting a lot of hype, and I think he could be a pretty good quarterback. Yeah, good names. There's also, uh, I believe it's Woodside for Toledo has some fans. I think he's not probably the, the arm strength or athlete enough. He's a little small for me. The, uh, the quarterback from Houston is uh, Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen, yeah. Uh, Allen. Uh, somebody that I've heard is getting some hype is Mike White from Western Kentucky. Yeah. Move around. Flowers from the University of South Florida, small, but a lot of fun to move around. And uh, there is one more that I'm trying to Dick, think of off the top of my Dick head. Dick Browning from Washington. He's had a lot of talk, but he's very much like um, uh, to me. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the last one I have in my notes, I forgot. Uh, Jared Stidham, transfer from Baylor that uh, plays, just, just named the starting quarterback for Auburn. Uh, reminds me a lot of Chad Kelly, honestly, because he runs around and he's kind of erratic, but he's a good athlete and he's definitely, only a gunslinger so somebody that i think could if he doesn't have the off-field issues that kelly has uh, had in his career but overall i mean fantastic quarterback class probably one of the more exciting ones in a while so if there's the broncos to falter and potentially put themselves in a position for a franchise quarterback it's probably this year I'm not cheering for that to happen at all <laughs> but i mean there's there's some fun guys next year and i wouldn't be surprised to see six seven guys go in the first round. It's that deep of a class. And a lot of teams need a quarterback that badly. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, that will wrap up the final episode of the uh, Huddle Up Roster Breakdown podcast. Uh, thank you for tuning in. And thank you, Eric, for joining us today. It's a lot of fun to talk with you. Um, I know you've been pretty busy and you joining us for an extra long podcast today. So much to talk about quarterbacks, but I know you're excited to get some shut-eye because I'm sure that uh, the little one's keeping you up. No, she's gone with her mom right now. So, oh, peace and quiet. Watch some Rick and Morty <laughs> or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> preseason is here, so make sure to be listening for our preview and post view episodes of all the preseason games, and make sure you keep checking back in on Mile Huddle for all your updates on camp battles and all the Bronco news. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, myself on Twitter at Nick Kendall MHH. Eric, what's your Twitter Twitter handle? At Eric Trickle. 
Nice and easy. E-L, not L-E. <laughs> E-L, Eric Trickle, the one and only. And yes. you can all find all of our Bronco articles and content on Mile High Huddle. We have did a bunch of film articles this week, and I actually released a uh, way too early mock draft. I haven't heard from Eric yet. I was He's been busy you know, with the kids, so I was expecting you to know, say, like, Nick, you're reaching on that guy, or I don't like that guy, because <laughs> Eric will let me know. <laughs> I saw it on Twitter, and I just skimmed right over it. I meant, to go, I meant to go back and read it, but I was in a rush and just trying to get a quick update on stuff on Twitter. I'll definitely get <laughs> you, you get a pass for now, but I'm expecting a full report. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, Spreaker, CastBox, SoundCloud, et cetera, et cetera. You can also follow us on Twitter at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us. We love your ratings. They keep us going. You know, we love to hear feedback from you guys. Uh, for Carl Dummler, Eric Trickle, I'm Nick Kendall, wrapping up the final episode of the Roster Breakdown and another episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos. Mile High Huddle.